0: Welcome to the Mama Bear Apologetics Podcast. A podcast where we teach you to roar like a mother. And by roar, we mean recognize the message, offer
1: discernment, argue for a healthier approach, and reinforce these ideas with your kids. Unless you want to growl around your house. I mean, that's cool too. (laughs) You're like, check it, we keep it (laughs) real. That's so bad. You're awesome.
0: Mama Bear Apologetics is a listener-supported program, so if you like what we do, head on over to the Mama Bear Apologetics website and click support.
1: It's time to rise up, ladies.
0: Rise up, Mama Bears. This might not affect your faith, but it might affect your children's. Welcome to another episode of Mama Bear Apologetics. I'm Hillary. And I'm Amy. And so today... Okay, so how do you feel, Amy, about all the news that has been coming out? You said that you've been pretty depressed with all the every time you turn on the news, there's more stuff with coronavirus going on and
1: Yeah, it's kind of a downer. Like we watch it to see the updates and things that's going on within our county and our state and everything. So that's good. But after about twenty to thirty minutes, we're just kind of burnt out. We're like, oh, you know, this is just getting so depressing that we end up putting on a um, a comedy or something just to try and lighten the mood a little bit because we're just like, oh my gosh, everything's so bleak and and sad and there has to be, you know, there's a few nice stories tossed in, but not many. So,
0: yeah. I call those chaser shows. Like if you watch something that's my dad and I, when really we watched that one year, it was something that was so, oh, Scrooged. I think it was, we watched Scrooged and it was so bad. We're like, we have to watch another movie. We <laughs> called it a chaser movie. You know, when you watch something that's so bad, you need to just watch something to like shake it
1: yeah, exactly. I need to feel some happiness again.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. I know, right. I can feel all the happiness being sucked from the world. So this is going to be a chaser podcast. So, <laughs> in the sense that we keep hearing all these bad news about the coronavirus, and I really want to point out there's so many good things that I'm seeing coming from this pandemic. Yeah. And I think it's so easy to focus on all the things that are bad. And so today we're going to talk about the unexpected blessings of the coronavirus which I'll, I'll give a, a brief outline of what we're going to do, uh, the things that I've noticed and things that Amy has noticed. First is return to family, return to nature, return to stillness, return to contentment, and a return to faith. I would summarize all of these as just saying a return to sanity.
1: Yes, so oh, absolutely.
0: So we don't just have coronavirus 2020. We have like apparently amazing pollen count 2020. So <laughs> I'm going to be clearing my throat a lot here. But it's all good. I've socially distanced myself, and Amy and I record, you know, via Skype, so we should be good. All no rules are being broken during this contest.
1: Oh my gosh, my husband keeps joking around with that whole social distancing thing. He saw something on on Twitter. It was this guy writing who's like, "Well, you know, I'm keeping up with social distancing, but when exactly am I supposed to let my wife back in the house?" And (laughs) and it's kind of I think for some families that's kind of what it's feeling like. It's like, oh, social distancing. Um, can I do that with myself locked in a closet somewhere? I saw this little clip of a man
0: talking. I think they just did it as a joke. And and it was like someone pretending like they were interviewing him. They're like, would you rather A, (gasps) be grunting with your wife and your kids or B, and before he could even say B, the guy's going B, B.
1: I saw that one. His (laughs) face is so serious. He's like, B, just give me B. It's so funny.
0: (laughs) And let's talk about this first one, this return to family that I think this is one of the things that it's like people are rediscovering, hey. I don't think I actually know the people that I live in the house with because we, we've all been so busy. It's like if you have kids, it's like everybody's got three sports and mm-hmm. choir practice and band concerts and drama. Well, drama as in theater, but also yes. drama. If you have teenagers, you just have drama. You get drama. drama. And all of a sudden, people are spending time together for the first time in a long time. They're having family dinners. I think I was mm-hmm. talking to Lindsay Menwalt, our executive director, and she was saying how it just boggles her mind how many families have not done family dinners?
1: Yes. Oh, and that's what, you know, that always surprised me even before the lockdown that we've had with the coronavirus is even before that, there would be these encouragements for families. And the goal was to shoot for one night a week. You know, mm-hmm. you could have one night a week together with your family. You're doing well. And that always made me kind of sad because it's like, that's it? That just one night, you know, it just shows the busyness that yeah. has just invaded our culture. It's almost like a status symbol. If you're busy, you're you're doing it right.
0: It's interesting that you say that, like a status symbol. It's like one of those things people say, oh, I'm just so busy. And I'm totally guilty of it because mm-hmm. I am. I'm very busy. <laughs> Lots of projects that I'm working on. Whenever I see people posting stuff on Facebook about, oh, I'm so bored. I'm like, bored? What is this word? What <laughs> <I just laughs> is don't understand boredom? this word. Yes, please explain. But yeah, it has almost become a status symbol of it just shows how much stuff you're doing. So, I think we've outsourced family. Like yeah. honestly, we have outsourced family to the the school clubs and sports, just school in general that we have forgotten how to be families. It's like our kids' social networks are more of a family than their nuclear family. Yeah. And all of a sudden, we're having to be in close quarters again and actually spend time together and I think it's fabulous.
1: It <laughs> is. And it's great because you actually get to start having deeper conversations instead of just how was practice? How was this okay we got this to do and oh we've got guitar lessons at this time you know we're now able to be like okay how are you feeling right now my husband was yeah. asking my kids that the other day and he was like well guys with everything going on what are you seeing what are you feeling and it was really great for, to give our kids this chance to sort of open up and have these sort of deeper conversations that you know may have just been sort of brushed off in between him coming back from work and doing things around the house and so yeah it's it's been great to refocus Family is one of those
0: institutions that predates church. If you look in Genesis before there was church, before there was government, before there was anything, family was the Mm. very first institution. I don't think that we can really function well as humans without having that as a core part of our lives. So I'm just going to say that's one of our unexpected blessings that I think is really awesome that uh, we're kind of seeing from the coronavirus and it's A little sad that it took something like this to get us back there. But you know what? Whatever it takes to get us there,
1: I'm cool with. Yeah. Yeah. Um, It really shows that that's one of the the core important things. It's not what you achieve in your job or sports and that sort of thing. Those are all good things. But, you know, your family is most important.
0: Yeah. The family is the most important. So secondly, and this is one of the ones I've noticed, is a return to nature. I love this one. Let me see if I can find that quote. There's a quote in Fahrenheit 451 because like I think people are going to start reading stuff like yeah. 451 and 1984 and brave new world. And just mm-hmm. be like wow, that was really
1: prophetic. Yeah. And some of the passages that you were reading to me when we were compiling our notes before this podcast, it was like, oh man, that was scary. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's dead on. This is
0: one of the things he's talking about because in, in this world, they drive so fast. And so he's talking with his next door neighbor, who's like one of the few people who actually looks around and sees what's going on. And she says, have you ever watched the jet cars racing on the boulevards that way? I sometimes think drivers don't know what grass is or Mm -hmm. flowers because they've never seen them slowly. If you showed a driver a green blur, oh, yes, he'd say that's grass. A pink blur, that's a rose garden. White blurs are houses, brown blurs are cows. And it's this idea of everybody. And she talks about her uncle once went, you know, 40 miles an hour. and They jailed him for two days. Oh, gosh. Uh, Because it's like this idea of in this world in 1984, slowing down and actually thinking are considered basically that's how you that's how you disturb the peace. Yeah,
1: it's like a form of anarchy.
0: Yeah, it's like you disturb the peace by anybody having original thought. So the idea behind Fahrenheit 451 is that firemen, instead of putting out fires, they set fires to books. Because it's like they think that all these independent thoughts are the ways that people are unhappy. And so it's really interesting. Let me see what the copyright is on this. It was written, first copyright, wow, is 1950. So wow. this, this is going to be, you know, televisions were just a thing. And in this book, they describe basically flat screen plasma TVs that take up a whole wall. And it's a source of status to have all four walls. It also kind of predicts reality television because the wife refers to all the characters on these TV shows as the family you know, with names and she talks about them like they're real people and she just sits and watches them all the time. And so this idea of having your own thoughts and books, it's like, you want to be in front of these screens Mm. all the time because they tell you what to think. And that keeps people from being unhappy because people don't disagree because they're basically told what to think. Interesting. Anyway, but that was the return to nature. This idea of people, it's, we've been so busy and we've had screens and people are so stir crazy that they don't, it's like at some point, what is it? Do you remember like the, the old Donald Duck thing where or it was Huey, Dewey, and Louie and, yeah. and like they bought Uncle Donald a thing of cigars for his birthday and he catches them with him and he thinks that they're smoking them. So he makes them smoke every single that's time right. one. Of them. I remember that one. But, and then he feels guilty because at the bottom, it's like this happy birthday, Uncle, Uncle That's Donald. right, yes. Uh, but the purpose is like, that's some of the things that people used to do. If they found their kids with cigarettes, they'd make them smoke the whole pack and they would get so sick from it that they would just never want a cigarette again because mm. that was the idea. I feel like we're having that done with screens right now. It's like, "Oh, you want your screens? You want to stare at that? Okay, that's
1: all you're going to have to do." And people are finally getting sick of it they're making walks. Yes. And gardening. I see so many people outside, they're mowing their lawn, they're tending to it. I mean, they're they're trying to cultivate this beauty that you see around us. And it's, I think it's awesome because I mean, nature is one of the testimonies to God's existence. And yet we've yeah. been so busy. We've been so focused on our screens, our telephones, th- or I say telephones as if they're still strapped to the wall, but we're so focused on everything else. It's like, no, let's get back to it. I know my boys, they, they absolutely love it is whenever we go to the parks and, and hike out in the woods or even around the neighborhood, just be able to walk and see the flowers and, and the trees and everything. It just it's refreshing, it's calming. It just gives them a sense of peace. And sort of that's not green blurs anymore. They're no. actually walking
0: around and looking at it.
1: Yeah, it helps you have that humility too and realizing that there's something bigger than you out there. Because when you're yeah. when you're in your homes and in cities and things, all you're seeing is man-made structures. So I think mm-hmm. in a way that can kind of distract you from the divine creator because all you're seeing are things in your own image. And when yeah. you get into nature, it's like, oh no, there is, there's something way bigger than me. Oh, I love that.
0: Okay, so this reminds me, I had you listen to a Tommy Nelson sermon before we started this, and I think I'm going to post a link to that because it's basically one of the best sermons It's awesome. where he's talking about how plagues and pain and pandemics Mm -hmm. and stuff like that have been a historic precursor to revival. But one of the things that he talks about is in Jeremiah, where you have these false prophets saying, oh, you're only going to go into exile for two years, and Jeremiah's going, "Uh uh-uh, you're going for 70 years, one for every... Basically, year of jubilee, sabbatical year that the land did not rest in some ways. So like you have some pictures of the pollution in both India and L.A. Yeah. Of what it looked like before the shutdown and what it looks like now. And it's like the land is finally getting its rest.
1: Oh, yeah. That was one thing, especially with India. And we'll include the links below. It's a CNN article that maybe you've even seen. To where it shows comparisons, especially for India, it shows from November of last year and March of this year. It's got this little side swipe to where you can kind of like a screen, flip it over and see. And November, it was like this deep black fog. I mean, you could barely make out the structure in the distance. And then when you see today, there's blue sky. And one of the comments that it includes is someone there saying, you know, I haven't seen blue skies for 10 years. You know, wow. because of the pollution, they're so dependent on fossil fuels and all of the cars and everything, the pollution was so bad that now that they've taken a break and sort of closed this down, it's kind of healed itself and they can see the blue sky. And I'm a huge nature nut. I don't necessarily hug trees, but I do climb them. And so <laughs> it's like to think of not being able to see blue sky for 10 years just sounds so awful to me. That because just sounds it, depressing. It I mean, does. we
0: had cloud cover here in Pella for a while and I started having that full on Seasonal affective disorder. I was just getting full on depressed, and the sun finally came out, and I just was like,
1: "Oh, yes!" Oh man, no. My husband and I—we always get in a fight over. He likes putting down the blinds for privacy, and I'm like, "Nope, if it's daylight, I'm pulling these up." So we go back and forth. But yeah, even LA—they had the same thing. It's theirs was from a lot later. It was from I think 1999 was the mm-hmm. comparison. But again, it's that that gray haze over everything, and then when you turn it to or you bring the curse over, now it's got the blue skies and it's clear and. You know, people are saying how much better it is for breathing and being out and mm. about and stuff. And so it's just, it's unfortunate that so many people are out of work, but it's crazy how just even this brief pause has affected nature that dramatically.
0: So the third thing that we're going to talk about is this idea of return to stillness. And this is something that I kind of had to learn last year when we were writing the book. Basically, 2018 was probably the worst year of my life, like mm. the worst year. And that includes the year I had cancer. Yeah. <laughs> mm. And so I kind of needed to do a complete reboot in 2019 to basically become at peace with my own thoughts Mm. again. I think I, I discovered that I maintained a certain amount of busyness to kind of drown out my own thoughts. And I really needed to take... I took several months off just for, I guess, a recap for people. What happened in 2018? Number one is we were working on the book. I had some some real hard things go on with some friendships. And then three, um, my sister died. And this was all going on at the same time. And it broke me, it absolutely broke me. And I knew that I needed to put myself back together, basically, before the book was released, because I knew that once the book was released, there was going to be, you know, I'd have to be doing interviews and all this stuff. So I dedicated that those first, I mean, like, four or five months of 2019, to just learning how to be still. Mm -hmm. And what I discovered is that, I was not comfortable in my own company with my own thoughts. And so I used activity to kind of drown that out. And so once I started working through things that I just kind of limped along for a really long time, once I started really working through some past things, I am able to be so content in my own company now. Yeah, It is one of the most freeing things. In fact, I was talking to a friend who was having a really rough night and she kind of called me and she was... Just talking about all these, you know, should I do this? Should I do that? And like all these extra stuff. And she says, I can do anything. I know I messed up. I can do anything. I said, can you be still? And she's like, why did you ask me that? you have never <laughs> asked me that before. You know, what do you mean by that? And I was like, can you be still? And she's like, no, I can't. Yeah. Well, no sometimes we cannot be still until we're forced to be still. And at that point, I think people kind of start taking inventory. I compare it to one of those closets. You know, do you remember Monica's closet in the Friends?
1: No. I, okay. Full confession. I, d- I haven't never watched Friends. I'm just gonna say that's. Isn't I know it's, it's I know it's you. so weird. Like I know that I know of like certain things that have happened in Friends, like the the meeting pie off a floor or cake or something or some amazing cake off the floor. And the, the, I don't remember had, that. Yeah, he had a duck or something, but I, I it was just one of those shows that I never really watched. That's funny. Okay. So the the story behind
0: this is Monica is this super duper clean freak and Mm. everything has to be exactly, she has like 12 different types of towels, you know, the fancy towels, the fancy guest towels, the, you know, all these different things, but she's got this one closet that she won't let anybody go into. It's the one that's just so messy that she just crams everything into. Nice. And so I feel like that's kind of what we've done with our own thoughts that it's like ourselves have become so chaotic that we just keep cramming it in with more and more busyness mm. and slammed that door and the stillness is forcing us to open that door. Basically everything's coming, falling out and we're going to actually have to start organizing some of this stuff. And that's a good thing.
1: Yeah. Well, and I love so, that how you pointed that out there too, because it offers that encouragement that sometimes achieving stillness is a messy and loud ooh. progress. And if you've been catching up with any of our vlogs that we've been doing for quality quarantine, some things my boys have, there have been a little, some birth pains there, you know, they're all sitting together. And one of my boys was like, you are chewing so loudly. <laughs> like just having to to be still and be together. It's just, they, they kind of henpeck a little bit, but it's okay because... That was toward the beginning. And now we're what? Like three weeks in, four weeks in, something like that. They've gotten better. They've gotten into this routine. They know some different things that suit each of their personalities. So it's, I love how you add that in there because it is, it's okay that the pursuit of stillness can sometimes not be so still, but the yes. outcome is so worth it. Me.
0: Man, I'm all hiccupy today. Full confession. I actually have that same thing. Like the sound of chewing. It's just, it grosses me out. So I actually have for... <laughs> This is so embarrassing to admit. It makes me sound so petty. I have a little earplug, like one of those. Uh, oh, the foamy ones? Like, yeah, the foamy ones that, that I keep out in the living room because John and I always eat while we're watching a show and I'll just put it in the side that he's sitting on. <laughs> <laughs> and um, like, I don't know when this started. I, I don't feel like it was always this way. I feel like someone pointed it out to me in high school and then it's like, now I can't. And now, yeah, there. now it you can't unsee things. it. Uh-huh.
1: Oh my yeah. gosh, that's funny.
0: So also, I'd like to take this back to the analogy that we we talked about for nature, this idea of God sending the people into exile for every year of jubilee that they skipped. And he was basically saying the land will get its rest. Mm. But I would like to point out that we have completely, completely neglected and forgotten how to Sabbath. And in some ways, I feel like the Lord's like, you're not going to take a Sabbath? Okay, the whole world's going to take a Sabbath
1: (laughs) right now. And it's crazy for folks too, just that adjustment of that stillness and having to, okay, mm. what do we do? You know, we can't go and do all of these things that we normally sort of soothed our our lack of attention spans now. We're having mm. to sit and it's almost like a back to Mayberry situation. You know, we're having <laughs> to do the calmer things in life. And yeah, it's folks are struggling to adjust a bit.
0: Yeah. Speaking of Mayberry, I love my my town because- Your <clears> is driving- Mayberry.
1: It's like German Mayberry.
0: It is. No, Dutch Mayberry. <laughs> They're Dutch, forgive me. <laughs> I was driving because we never have traffic in here. Whenever you have like four people at a stop sign, John and I are like, "Oh, traffic's off." <laughs> there was like straight up cars just filling the this one. I was like, "What's going on?" It was like a stream of cars. It looked like a parade. And what I finally figured out was I, I was driving by someone. I asked, "What's going on here?" It was because people weren't able to visit the people in the assisted living facilities. The kind of the older folks' yeah. home that that's like they're still living on their own. They had a parade of everybody in the town going by and holding signs that say, we miss you and little kids blowing bubbles out of the car. And all the senior citizens were standing on their, their balconies and waving to everybody. It was like a little parade. So that that is could- so sweet. I know. So anyway, that's that's my town. I love it. Oh so anyway, gosh. that's the return to stillness. And out of that one, you, you pointed out that kind of a natural outflowing of return to
1: stillness is a return to contentment. Oh yeah. We've totally had to refocus. And I noticed this a lot with myself as I kind of laughed with my husband and it was so true the other day. I'm sitting there, I'm like, you know, this has been, it's really showed me how much I kind of fill my time with trips to Marshalls, like just for the fun (laughs) of walking around and, and looking around and saying, oh, well, I could get this and decorate with that and do this here. And being at home these past couple of weeks, it's, it's really sort of fostered that, that contentment of, you know, being content with what you have and realizing that that is enough. We've done other things in our life too. We, we downsized from a fairly large home. It was like 2,200 square feet to like 900 square feet. And one of the things that we've learned through that process, besides how thin walls are. I just got to remind y'all, she has three boys and the two bedroom house
0: with three boys, 900 square feet. And so if you think your quarantine is is uh, everyone's on top of each other. (laughs) But I love your house. It's so cute. It's like one of the most unique houses I've ever
1: seen. Oh, well, thank you. It's been a great experience because it shows us how little you need to be happy. Mm -hmm. And the the most important things in life are what actually bring you true joy. And it's funny because there's this commercial now, and I forget who it's, it may be Wayfair commercial, to where you see these two families, they're both named Jones, and they're just competing to one-up each other in yeah, patio decor and that sort of thing. Yeah, keeping up with the Joneses, and when we're having to just sit and be together, and even just even through the little struggle of trying to go to the store and find toilet paper, it's realizing you know there the bigger things in life really aren't that big. It's sort of these first mm-hmm. world or rich people problems that uh, some of our friends have te- mm-hmm. have called it. And yeah. so I noticed how much we rely on entertainment like shopping and movies and that sort of thing to sort mm-hmm. of kind of numb things. I mean, that's one thing that I always thought was so interesting is when someone explained to me the definition of amuse, A, meaning lack of, and muse to think. It's not thinking. And we're always trying to amuse ourselves. We're not trying to think. And yet we've had sort of this, a lot of our amusements that a lot of folks rely on are taken away. The ones we do have, we're so burnt out of. I mean, I think of poor Lindsay, who's watched Frozen 2 14 (laughs) times. I mean, Oh my goodness. She's an all girl house. Just FYI. He's actually never seen it. I haven't, but you know what? My son was super addicted to polar express and we would Um. watch that religiously. I mean, it was, yeah, I have the whole movie memorized practically. So, but it's, (laughs) it's just interesting that now those sorts of things are taken away. So now we're having to think of, okay, you know, what really can we focus on? What can we foster? And we're seeing a lot of parents, that we connect with with this ministry that are wanting to pour into their kids and help foster mm-hmm. their kids spiritually. And it's like that's the important thing. So there it's just it's really neat. I love sort of that that refocusing on how we don't need all the fancy things. We don't need to do all the fancy things because what's truly important is our family and having this meaningful time. And I love the story you told with the retirement home because, you know, so many folks sort of pass that off and say, Oh, well, we'll do that tomorrow. We'll do that next week. We'll see grandma then. But then it's like, wait, you know, what happens? Worst case scenario, there isn't a next week. And I I love that folks are now just showing this love and realizing, you know, this is what's important being together. Now we can't, we have to keep six feet apart. I think it's neat. And I like the, the point that you made here in the notes is the,
0: the financial hit that we're taking right now is showing how, We've been overextending ourselves, and we've yeah. been caught up in consumerism. And now that we kind of can't go out and just shop for shopping's sake, mm-hmm. and just kind of, it's like you learn to just be kind of content with what you've got. And people are actually probably, you know, like you said, they're doing gardening. They're they're making what they already have more beautiful. Yeah, which uh, yeah, I think is good. And so finally, the last one we're going to talk about is a return to faith. And this one is is actually, I would say this is a great theme of pain in general. I'm old enough. I can't remember how old you are. How old were you when, (laughs) when
1: 9-11 hit? Oh gosh, I was sophomore. I think I was a sophomore because I was getting ready for school when my dad came running down the hall going, we've been hit, we've been hit. And I'm like, what what is he talking about? So sophomore in high school? Yeah.
0: Okay. So yeah. So I was a senior in college. So we're a a little, I mean, of course I was a freshman in high school. That's what I meant. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) No, I was a senior in college and, um, I remember that after that you had this massive return to church. I remember Tim Keller talking about how, I mean, they especially in New York, they mm-hmm. just had so many people. They couldn't fit in the building.
1: I remember seeing yeah. that on the news. It was just overflow.
0: Yeah. And John's even mentioned because he he has a lot of interactions with kind of the internet atheist a lot of times and that they've kind of gotten a lot more quiet hmm. during this time. Really? When when you have to really look at what's true and what's important. And you're really faced with life and death that all of a sudden, a lot of these these petty little arguments, it's like, well, maybe that's not important right now. Yeah. It's like a lot of these philosophies and ideologies are kind of a luxury to have in times of plenty, which is what we saw happen in the roaring 20s. And then right after that, the Great Depression, Yeah, which actually was one of the things that brought people back into revival. It's like, we there's a history... A revival happening on the heels of either war or plague, you know, sickness, all the the great evils that we see.
1: Revival taking place a lot of times because of those. Oh yeah, or in the midst of it. I mean, the early church, Christianity mm-hmm. flourished due to intense persecution. I mean, it just really kind of scattered things. And one thing I always thought was interesting, maybe maybe you did too, is you're going through classes. How foreign nations that have to deal with such things like uh, famine, drought military oppression and that sort, those are the folks that actually have the the strongest sort of religious backbone, so to speak. Yes. Whereas complacency, that's a first world issue. That's like an American prosperity yeah. issue. We can get so blinded by contentment and comfort that they almost become our own idols to where when mm-hmm. sort of things happen like 9-11. I remember thinking this as a kid, I, I was like, this couldn't happen. We're America. This isn't supposed to happen. And even now with this pandemic, it's one of these things where it refocuses that you're you're not invincible. The only thing that we can count on is the faithfulness of God. And so for a yeah. lot of folks, it does draw them closer to God.
0: Yeah. So one of the quotes. Let me see if I can pull this up from the Tommy Nelson thing that we uh, that we watched. It says, "Death makes us think about ourselves, sin, guilt, and God." Mm and basically those are kind of the things that you need in order to have the gospel is you need to have a correct view of yourself you need to have a correct view of god you need to understand sin and guilt and then say this is a problem and i can't fix this yeah and so this idea of death it's one of those great things that people start getting all the, all the luxuries of youth and wellness start to dissipate in the face of death because all of a sudden oh this actually matters this gets this is real. I'm not guaranteed tomorrow. We just see this this return to faith, and I, I think it's kind of unfortunate right now that uh, during this time that we would normally see such a great return to faith that churches can't meet. But at the same time, I'm thinking how many sermons we have like live and online now that people are seeking out. That this is a time of searching, and I can actually search lots of different
1: resources right now. And so. <sighs> yeah that one like, that's I, I, one thing that is a huge blessing is folks that would normally come to church I mean almost everybody has some sort of access to a smartphone laptop internet and there's and all these churches are working so hard to put on services, despite the fact that there's nobody in the seats. To where, yes, we're not able to meet physically in person, but we still are able to get fed. And even on the on the backhand of that, you know, this this return to it is also kind of tying back into contentment too. Is realizing the importance of having that community within church. Mm. So I know my husband and I we we have struggled a little bit with trying to find life groups and that sort of thing, and just find a spot to a, a niche to fit in. And it's in times like this where you really. I'm like, man, I, I wish I had that. I loved Lindsay. Uh, she posted pictures of her Zooming with her life group. And I thought that was so cool um, that we, yes, we can't meet in person, but how thankful I am that we have this technology to where we can still meet and, yeah. and pour into one another.
0: And this is like a total side note, but like, you know, I've, I've kind of said things like, we're either entering the next great revival <laughs> or we're entering the tribulation. And I really think it's just gonna be one or the other. I don't think there's gonna be anything in between. Where was I going with that? Oh, yeah. And I think about the passages that it talks about in Revelation, where when the two witnesses come and it says the whole world is watching. 30 years ago, people were like, how is that even possible? I'm like, well, (laughs) you know, everybody's getting used to streaming stuff now. So that's that's sort of anyway, that's total side note. Anyway, so finally, we want to talk about how do we make the most of this quarantine time? Uh, how, How do we try to foster in our in our families, a return to family, a return to nature? A return to stillness and contentment and a return to faith. And so, talk about what you've kind of been doing with
1: your kids. So, my guys, what we've been doing is we have what we call quiet time at the end of the day. And my kids love any excuse to make hot chocolate. So, this is just a fun thing that they get to do. Even the other day, like yesterday, it was 90. And they're like, cool, hot chocolate. And I'm like, sure, buddy, (laughs) go for it. We just gather together and We've been reading through, we read through the book of Matthew together. And now we're starting on Acts, but this week, since it's Easter week, we've been sort of doing a little aside and we've been talking about Passover and Good Friday and that sort of thing. So it's just this nice time to where we all come together, we're we're reading scripture, I'm, I'm asking them questions, they're asking me questions, and we've got this fun devotional It's devotional for boys, which is great because it just speaks right to them. And it's funny, there have been times where they're like, mom, this book is freaking me out. It talked about hitting brother and I just did that. And I'm just like, (laughs) so we just have this time to where we can be together. And that's one thing that Natasha Crane even points to is that kids, when they have this great foundation of of parents regularly spending time pouring into them, they actually have a stronger faith foundation for when they end up leaving the home. So it's just this important thing to foster with our kiddos. So that's one of the fun things that we do is we have this hot chocolate and quiet time. There you go. I, I love it.
0: For those who don't know, if we weren't busy enough, we decided to add just because we felt like there was going to be a need, a daily vlog uh, on YouTube. And we posted on our Mama Bear site and you can sign up for our, our email to, to receive links to that. But it's uh, we have Movie Monday, Training Tuesday, Worldview Wednesday, Theology Thursday, and Fun and Fellowship Friday. And we're just basically giving ideas for, since since you're at home with your kids and you're like, well, dang, I got to do something with them. <laughs> these are some things that you can do. Like, how do you talk through some of these movies, Training Tuesday, some of the basic life skills that have kind of gone by the wayside. Mm-hmm. Stuff like baking bread and doing the laundry. This is a great time. Parents, this is a great time to teach your kids how to do laundry, how to separate
1: the different colors. And what was the training Tuesday that we did this? this Oh, we did map reading, which is, you know, how to read maps and even having your kids Draw a fun map in the neighborhood, or if they want to do sort of, we offered a scavenger hunt. But even if your kids want to create their own little scavenger hunt that they can give a sibling, I mean, it's just fun ways to practice some necessary life skills. Because if you're like me and you depend way too heavily on ways, you know, it's good <laughs> to learn this sort of stuff. So that was yeah. that was our last one was map reading.
0: Yeah, and so Worldview Wednesday, we go through some of Elizabeth Urbanowitz's the books that she's done when she taught elementary kids. Uh, Theology Thursday is just a variety of different things from hermeneutics to just concepts in the Bible. And mm-hmm. then Fun and Fellowship Friday, how can we maintain community while social distancing? And so that's one of the, the things that you have at, at your fingertips on the YouTube if you would like to do that. But just finding ways to be purposeful during this time. And, and really, if, if you've been waiting to build habits and it's just felt like things were too busy, this is a great time oh, absolutely. <laughs> to start building a habit. I think you'd be surprised at how much some kids really like these habits like so this is kind of a weird aside I like being forced to do things that I know I should do but I don't want to do <laughs> so back when I was a gymnast I hated the conditioning you know all the all the pushups and stuff like that but I was glad that they made me do it when I was a kid my mom had a chore chart that was like so like this is what you do on every single day and it just got too much for her to keep up with and so she let it go and I remember asking for it again because I loved having that structure I liked building those habits, but I knew that I couldn't do it myself. So this is a perfect time to start building those habits of being together as a family, getting into scripture. And then when things start getting busy again, the kids are going to miss that. And they're going to say, well, let's do that again. And they're going to realize how
1: much they do enjoy that. Yeah. It provides that structure that kids naturally yearn for. And especially now when the schools, everything's kind of up in the air, you're probably still trying to figure out Google classroom. It's just a great thing (laughs) that you can be intentional with your kids for. And one of the things that I love about it is they're quick little videos. They're usually between eight and 11 minutes, if that. So, I mean, it's one of those awesome things to wear before the kids are up or, you know, if you can hide out in your room for a few minutes or even watch them with (laughs) your kiddos, they're super available.
0: Also, just be be focusing with our kids about uh, how God's faithfulness isn't contingent
1: upon our comfort.
0: This wasn't one of our points, but I think this should have been one of our points. I think there's going to be a lot of damage done to the health and wealth gospel.
1: Yes. Oh, I think so. Goodness. I mean, because everything is, as long as you're faithful, everything's going to go well for you. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it was so interesting with Tommy Nelson's Sermon is he was talking about that too. One of the things that Job was struggling with, he's like, "Well, I have been righteous, but yet bad things are happening. So God must be doing me wrong." And it's no, that's that's a false gospel. Alehu had to come in and actually correct that, which we'll cover more next week. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's yeah, the, those sorts of false gospels are definitely not doing well right now.
0: Yeah, and I think that I mean that's just it's it's revealing the gospel for what it is. We yes. have been. I think Rebecca always used to when she call us our little princes like little rich rulers, we are not living the norm mm. of, of the world. There's so much pain and suffering that go on in the rest of the world that I think I wrote a blog on, it was on the coronavirus, this idea that if you have a theology that doesn't apply to, to martyrs or third world countries, then it's not correct theology. Mm. And if our theology is that we're going to be healthy, wealthy, never get sick and, and have plenty of money to, to live the American dream, Jesus did not come to die to give us the American dream. We have the heaven dream. That's where we're going for. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's not earthly dream.
1: comforts. It's yeah, it's eternal. And sometimes to get us to that eternal state, you know, we have to go through some trials to really have our focus. Cause a lot of times when we're comfortable, we're not we're just content and happy and we'll just go along with the flow. We don't really we don't have Christ as our focus.
0: Absolutely. So mamas and, and papa bears, I hope this was helpful. And just something to just some encouragement for everything that's going on and seeing how God is using this time for such amazing things, things that we can be thankful for. And just don't miss the opportunities that are being presented right now. Do not miss these opportunities. They, This is literally, these only come once in a lifetime, if that. And so let, let's not let
1: any tragedy go wasted. Well, and heck, you know, it takes some time to Hop on our comments and share some of the ways that you have found blessings within this. Because maybe, yeah. maybe a tip or a suggestion or just a, a sweet story would be such a comfort to another parent or grandparent out there. So we'd love to to hear how uh, how you've been making the most of it. Yeah, I love it.
0: So that's all we got for today. Uh, Amy, would you like to pray us
1: out? Sure, Father oh, God, we are so grateful that we are able to to gather together and recognize that you are always present even in the midst of the storm. You're right there in the middle. You're right there beside us. And Father, we we pray for these parents, grandparents, and kiddos out there that you will help their eyes be focused on you and be focused on how we can, how we can turn this into a blessing, how we can benefit someone else, how we can just shine your light to those around us. We pray for teaching opportunities for these parents that they're able to make the most of these moments to help foster contentment and faithfulness in their kiddos that they can rest in you lord that they can just relish this family time there's so many funny picture family pictures of stressed out dads and moms clutching wine bottles and that sort of thing And we know that's that's all tongue-in-cheek but you know I, I pray that that parents don't miss the blessing that that it is to be the primary focus in their kids' lives right now and to take advantage of that or we pray for our leaders of our nation, that they lead with wisdom and with you at the foremost. We pray for our scientists and lab technicians who are desperately looking for a vaccine and and testing those out. We pray that you will give them wisdom and guidance. And we pray for all those families who have been negatively impacted by this, that you will bring them comfort uh, in knowing that there is life and eternity with you should they accept your son as their savior. We thank you, Lord, for every moment you give us together. In your holy name, amen. Amen.
0: This has been a Mama Bear Apologetics recording. To learn more about Mama Bear Apologetics, please visit us on the web at
1: www.mamabearapologetics.com. We hope you learned a little more about how to sift through ideas, accept the good, reject the bad, and now you can go teach your kids to do the same. Do you have any questions? Or maybe some ideas about future podcast episodes? Send us an email to askthemamabears at gmail.com, and we'll do our best. Rise up, ladies! Rise up, Mama Bears! We are all in this
0: together.